You are listening to Inspired Caring with Michelle Magner, episode number 137. Hello, welcome to Inspired Caring. I'm your host, Michelle Magner. If you are caring for an older family member, this is the podcast for you. Each week, I bring insight, tips, inspiration, and strategies to help you care for the people that you love without losing yourself along the way. Having cared for both of my grandmothers, I've helped manage everything from hospital stays, households full of belongings, to navigating senior living and end-of-life care. And I've worked in senior living as a result of that experience, serving my residents and their families as they've been on this journey too. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Inspired Caring. Well, I am very pleased to have you on the podcast today, Dr. George Ackerman. You can call me. I usually go by Sharon's son, George, for these interviews. Sharon's son, George. You got it. And I'm so grateful you're here with us to share a little bit about your caregiving journey and what you are doing with the mission that you are on. Tell me tell me about your mom. Thanks. I want to thank you and your listeners for giving me the opportunity to speak today. It uh, means the world to me and my family. My mother was a very caring independent, friendly person, uh, really dedicated her life to me and my brother. So I always say uh, anything I have today or my accomplishments are only because she sacrificed so much for us. But uh, caregiving something you don't sign up for. Unfortunately, my mother had Parkinson's uh, about 16, 17 years ago. She passed in uh, 1-1-2020. And I was her primary caretaker the last two years because she just unfortunately was losing the fight against Parkinson's disease and dementia. And I, not that I didn't have a choice, but it was always something that I knew she would obviously do for me. And I really uh, was uh, happy to help. I wish I could have done more. You know, we always look back and uh, I always swore I didn't want to regret anything and I don't, but I obviously didn't do what my heart wanted, which was to find a cure. So today we uh, I advocate to other families and, individuals and sons and daughters and you know everyone doesn't have to go through what my family and my mother did you strike immediately such a great point that as family members one well multiple great points we we don't sign up for this you just start doing it and so it's even hard as an identity to take on this concept that you're a caregiver a caretaker um and it's hard to not look back and have your mind go to should have, could have, would have, I think, having also been a caregiver, even if you're doing so much and even sacrificially giving, it's it's like your mind is wanting to fill in the gaps. And the last two years, you know, we went to probably 15, 20 doctors and everyone kept saying, you know, you won't die of Parkinson, but she didn't really have any other issues except maybe side effects from all the medicines. After she passed, I had to clean out her house, which was not easy, as you know, for caregiver. But uh, I mean, there were garbage bags of medicines uh, that really, I don't think, helped. And even as we're sitting here today live, there's still you know, not a cure. But I find that the biggest the problem is really awareness still. 
I'm not going to lie, and I'm always honest, I wasn't aware of Parkinson's when my mother had it. She was very, uh, not quiet, but she always thought of other people first. <laughs> she wanted, you know, I have a nice career. I was able to become an attorney. Then I became a police officer, and then I did a PhD. I'm a professor. I teach around the country, criminal justice. So, mm -hmm. and I have three children, but uh, that's an, that's actually harder than this work. But she always wanted, you know, she was selfish. She didn't want everyone to worry about her. We only noticed, you know, a few years within uh, because she started having trouble with her left arm, like stiffness to cut food when we all went to dinner, but still it never stopped her. I finally did well and bought my dream car, Corvette, and used to take her on dates together. <laughs> I was a mama's boy and always uh, she, you know, I guess raised me good. But uh, we spoke, you know, 20 times a day. I mean, we actually had a plan and I'm living now in a home that had a room that she was going to move in with us. Mm. You know, we didn't make it. But every time now I pass that room in the house every day just kind of reminds me of the sadder parts. But I always keep trying to bring her memory back of the happier moments. And your your mission and website is Together for Sharon. Yeah, I actually never plan on any of this either. <laughs> it's all just uh, my wife and I, we didn't expect my mother to pass so quickly. It was uh, just one year, the last year that she went to do a study. And unfortunately, I don't know if they took away some medicines or it was too drastic, but she ended up that night at the emergency room. And uh, that was like really the turning point uh, from for everything just went down. Her health, her uh, she was very in shape, but she started getting skinnier. She started having dystonia, which was like curling and uh, moving, uh, curling of the toes. And then the dementia set in with delusions and hallucinations. So it was really tough because I wanted to help combat one thing, but it wasn't just one, it was then another. And then there was the Parkinson's. It was just a one, it was like a roller coaster going down, like about to drop. So we tried, you know, everything from medical marijuana license in Florida. And that was odd because I'm a police officer, petrified to do all that. It was right. But, uh, you know, it just was one thing. And then we thought she might have had a stroke because one of her eyes and side of her face drooped, but they said it wasn't. And it was, uh, I mean, I documented it all for medicine. I never shared it. I don't really want her to be remembered for that, but it kind of helps to, uh, you know, explain myself and cope with what was going on. But, uh, you know, it was just a journey that I don't want, you know, others to have to recreate. Uh, it was not easy. You had, you visited multiple medical practitioners. And what was that like navigating the medical system? It wasn't easy. We didn't also have long-term health insurance because we didn't ever dream that that would happen. And that hurt us a lot. We ended up spending 12000 a month just to have uh, like caretakers around the clock. Because even mm -hmm. though I was around all the time, I still had to go home and see my family. Uh, but it was not easy. Uh, we didn't find the answers that we wanted. I often remember one last doctor we went to, and I pulled him in a room by myself and said, look, doc, is uh, my mother going to live? Because no one, she just kept, you know, hoping. We all hoped. We bought her brand new little house only a community away with a little man-made lake. And I always dreamt, you know, for 10 years at least, because she, she was only 69, uh, I thought she'd be able to live and enjoy her grandkids grow. They used to love Sunday mornings blowing bubbles in the backyard. It was her favorite time, uh, you know, and it just was really taken from us uh, quickly. We started together for Sharon just to remember her and keep her memory alive. And uh, but then and I learned there were about a million people in the U.S. with Parkinson's. A few months ago, I learned there's something called the World Parkinson Congress. 
And it's a group that really is incredible that uh, brings together the whole world. A few thousand people. Paul McCarthy was their guest speaker. He was in Barcelona, Spain. I couldn't make it, but because of social media, it brings one positive. That's mm -hmm. we met. Uh, so I learned there were 10 million people in the U.S. So I decided this is not really just about me and my mother anymore. It's about everybody. So in the last three months, because of social media and because of that organization, I was able to meet with about 300 people. Uh, I did interviews. And I'm sharing their journeys now throughout the world, and they share it. So it's almost like uh, just beyond me and my mother, just becoming like so uh, heartfelt. And again, I like to send to your viewers and anyone listening that there are people like both of us, but me who send our love and support and literally want nothing in return. I just want more people to be aware and to find a cure. And uh, last weekend, we had the opportunity to walk and have a table at the American Parkinson's Disease Association. Our family donated about $8,000 in three years, and we've also gotten about 2,000 in donation. But we really appreciate all the work they do. We also help the Parkinson's Foundation, Michael J. Fox Foundation. Uh, again, I'm just a website, I'm just me. We didn't really want this to become like any of those things. I like to kind of just, you know, be me. And really, uh, my I still cope every day with the loss of my mother. But speaking to you and your audience and all the incredible people I've gotten to speak to has really uh, touched my life and inspires me to keep going. Well, and I think it's so important for us to share our stories and to have you here sharing your story about your mom, because I think so often care partners, family members just get isolated. We're all so spread out. And oftentimes it's one particular person who is doing most of the caretaking and um it can be pretty lonely so i think that when we share our stories and lift up your voice and the story about your mom that helps other people to know they're not alone and that word is what i was going to say next almost like you read my mind but that's how i felt through the whole thing because again not only was it one thing after another but i also took over her banking and her ability to, she was very independent, like I mentioned, but telling somebody you can't drive anymore is like just crushing. And then she went from, you know, taking long walks to gradually going to the walker, then to the wheelchair, which she didn't want to do. And then uh, the last seven days, I usually don't talk a lot about, but it was almost, we don't have the Death with Dignity Act in the state of Florida. And mm -hmm. she just, for the last seven days, wasn't really with us. The one nice last memory I have is uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Now I'm in Florida. She used to love Broadway, and she used to take me to all the shows when I was a child. And we saw the Broadway show Cats, and her favorite song was Memory. I played guitar for about 15, 20 years just for fun. And we had a music therapist come in a lot. Some days it was too hard because she was not well. But the last week before she passed, the uh, the music therapist was there and I actually decided to play guitar with them. And we played uh, the song Memory for her from Cats and we videotaped it. You go to togetherforsharon.com and go to the bottom, you'll see it. You won't see my mother, but it was the last word she ever said was she loved it and thank you. And that was really uh, the last moment we ever spoke again. So, you know, I just try to, it's hard to even tell the stories. Like, and I always say, I'm I'm about 200 pounds, 6'2", police officer, but and I've talked in front of thousands of people in law enforcement, you know, but when talking about my mother, not easy even today. Yeah, well, there's there's really no closure 
ever. I have a, a friend who just authored a book about that. And um, it's just moments of grief where we're in better or tougher spots, I think. And also, Tony, you said I do a lot of research now. And one thing I don't see, and I could just not be aware of it, is there's not much really for people like me who are still grieving and with the loss of a loved one due to Parkinson's. I have attended several uh, meetings and support groups, but it's really for individuals who are still, you know, with us. So that's one thing. If anyone listening knows of, I guess it's called bereavement, but, you know, I never still had that, uh, you know, they were nice enough to provide like a psychologist and I didn't think I, uh, you know, needed it that much, but it would have been nice uh, knowing a lot of what I know now. And that's what togetherpastron.com is. It's just really a lot of resources. I'm not in this. We don't ask for anything like ever in return. If you go to the button interviews, you'll see all the interviews I've done with some of the biggest people in the Parkinson's community. I even had a great opportunity to interview Muhammad Ali's daughter and mm -hmm. uh, just some of those stories. And uh, we started, uh, I don't know if you can see, but this is the Together Basharan Band. Yeah. No, that's a quick story. I we again the funeral was kind of out of nowhere because I was in shock. My wife and I wanted to give everyone who just attended something to remember her by. So we figured why not put a little band together. After we left, my that that time my sister in law's boyfriend, now they're married, just sent a picture and it was just his arm, not not his face, but his arm and the band and something behind it. And it kind of clicked with me. I'm like, people like privacy, they don't really want their faces anywhere in the world. But why not start, you know, taking a picture of me and my only my arm, but with the band on. And I don't know what happened, but it went viral. And we ended up and we paid fully. We donated. A, we still passed them out live. I don't do them a lot online because it got very costly. But uh, yeah. people, like, I don't know if you know Willie Geist, but his wife was wearing it and posting about it. And it went, it went viral on Instagram and all over the country. We sent about 3,000 out. Uh, it was just really touching to see the support at the time and those are the kind of things that you know just uh are very touching and again keep me going well and i think i, I just have this feeling like every time someone says your mother's name it it reignites and re-sparks uh, uh her memory and it's part of her legacy now yeah she's funny if you got to meet her an hour she would be george don't waste the time stay with your family but <laughs> that's not how i am i always uh, i'm a big uh before all the advocacy and my mother when she was well i was a big proponent of victims rights so i'm a big supporter of the family members unfortunately a lot of the time when someone is come uh you know victim of a crime unfortunately they might not be with us but mm -hmm. the family secondary victims and i've dedicated my whole life to that and I kind of feel, and it's a sad comparison, but in a way, a lot of individuals in the Parkinson's community and myself, the caretaker, could feel like victims because a lot of time you're forgotten by the healthcare system. Now, thankfully, the Michael J. Fox Foundation has been fighting, and it's called the, fir the first bill in the United States ever through Congress and the Senate uh, called the End Parkinson's Disease uh, Law Now. And it's uh, on my website, too. I was really honored to be able to speak for only a few minutes to my local representative and any viewer and yourself can do the same just to have them support this bill. And uh, I had a whole beautiful little speech that I have on my website. It was just three minutes quick. Practiced it 20 times, never had a problem. And then when I gave it live, I fell apart. <laughs> again, I got to that one moment where you say, my mother loved blowing bubbles and the 
you know, backyard and she'll never be able to do that again. So, right. yeah, it was, it was impactful and good for the congresswoman to hear, but, you know, it was definitely tough to relive. Absolutely. What do you feel like would be next for you with this mission? Like, what what are you hoping for? My dream is obviously a cure, and then I can put it all to rest. But until then, I will never stop fighting. I, there's some nights I don't sleep thinking of just ways to help others. I'd like to be in the community. So I've, I've been to, like, uh, they have the Boca Raton Ballet. My mm-hmm. wife and I attended, and it was actually the ballet with little kids, but also with Parkinson's patients. So it was beautiful. Um, I wish we had more live things. I'm in Boca Raton, Florida, which is a lot, you know, large elderly population and a big Parkinson's population. My old, I'm an alumni at Florida Atlantic University. They put on some great programs, but really there's not a lot still in our area. So my goal is really just keep, uh, you know, promoting awareness, keep trying to interview other individuals. And by doing this today with you, I'm going to share this around the world forever. One unique thing I do too is uh, with my interviews, uh, let's say I interviewed someone, I don't just share one time and then it's, you know, goodbye. I actually become like family with the people and uh, they're all inspiring, but then I continue to share it. So my 365 days a year, I try to, I'm going to share it every year. So forever until I can't do it anymore. And hopefully my kids will, you know, continue it on. But really it's, again, my biggest message is really that, we send our love and support. Uh, we want nothing in return ever. And that uh, really it's about everybody. It's not just about um, our journey. I'm, I'm actually, I've been told not to talk about it, but I'm excited. I'm up to chapter four now in my own book. We're writing about my mother's journey. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking of other things. Uh, there's one, I'm going to do a book on all the interviews. I'm going to do a book uh, for grandkids. Like my kids, it was very difficult to tell my children, you know, what was going on. Uh, and then another one that's very important to me is awareness in the law enforcement and all of emergency management community. This is just not enough done. Uh, you know, as an officer, if you pull someone over, you may think it could be sadly a, a DUI, like, you know, intoxicated driving. And uh, it's not. It's something could be dementia, it could be parking, it could be other things. So mm-hmm. uh, that's something that's uh, in my heart very important too. But, you know, all we can do is just keep fighting, keep working together. And I always say together, our voices are just so much stronger. That's absolutely true. I know that with law enforcement, we have silver alerts now, I believe. I feel like those are not, uh, my phone doesn't go off as much as one would think with those. Do you feel like we have work to do in with our frontline law enforcement? Yeah, it's not just law enforcement. It could be fire, it could be EMS. Yeah. They're more trained with medical issues, but... I, it's not even just the alerts. It's just imagine going to a scene, an officer, and getting there, and you don't know what's happening. I mean, that's another podcast I can explain. I'm reserved now, but uh, you know you don't know what to expect. Well, if you have a little bit more awareness as to what Parkinson's disease is, if someone's shaking, you might not think they're actually harmful. So if they think the officer thinks they're harm, they're going to have a could be a weapon out, could mm-hmm. escalate. We've seen it unfortunately before, but never really discuss, I've never heard Parkinson's, uh, you know, discussed. Usually it could be something more of the mental illness, which is always a big issue. So we could always keep improving. I wish we had more time in the day because for now that one's going to, you know, it's just a thought, but, uh, you know, there's so much out there that needs to be done. We just have to all join together to get it done. I want to talk a little bit more about 
just having kids and also caring for your mom. How was that for you? Like how old were your kiddos when, when you were going through that? Actually just this, an hour before we spoke, we were speaking, I interviewed my daughter and a lot of what she said was she, you know, doesn't remember. She just had the one line answer because she was about six. Now okay. she's 11. So I was able to try and, you know, think about things, but uh, a lot of them said they, didn't really know what was going on, but I do recall one, you know, the night of the funeral, when we got home, I was coming into the kitchen. I was already a mess, <laughs> but I saw my, all of a sudden, I don't know where my wife was holding my daughter and she was hysterical crying because, you know, my mother's dream, she never had girls. And when our first daughter was a girl, my mother was in heaven. <laughs> she, always, she wanted to buy her dolls and dress her up. So they were extremely close. And uh, I guess she realized at that moment that she'll never be able to see her grandmother again, but didn't really know why. So it's still to this day, she sees me doing all this and asks questions and she was at the walk. But my youngest son was on, you know, very like three or four. He doesn't really, I don't know if he'll remember my mother, but they spend time together. My middle was about uh, four or five at the time. And now he's also, uh, he's eight. So this, when you have three, forget that. I still try and remember everyone's birthday. And I can remember the entire uh, legal world. My own kids' birthdays is tough, but uh, so he definitely still remembers her. But that's what we do this for. You know, I continue to remind them. We the saddest part, unfortunately, the holidays are coming. I used to save a seat for her. I stopped doing that because you know I don't want everyone else to be sad. But we still, you know, we still hang a stocking and. Um, you know, we still think about her. I light a candle on her birthday every year and uh, just try and keep them remembering that she was uh, she was there. She loved them and still always would. I think that's beautiful. Uh, thinking of ways that as we enter the holidays for people to honor their loved ones that have passed away, because to your point, it could be very emotional to have an empty seat at the table, but changing it and being open to shifting what the family does but to continue to <clears throat> excuse me keep their memory alive is so important yeah it's not easy i'm also i always say i'm just one son one person in this fight so i'm out there on my own a lot just trying to be creative and thinking of ways I have a new thing. I just started a fireside chat. We just happened to have a little fire pit in my house. So I started talking. Uh, it's not easy, but I talk about my mother in a little video once in a while. I also have, a, it's called Tackling Tough Topics, where there's a lot of things I have questions that I never had answered, like the medical marijuana, like what people think about the Death with Dignity Act, or even just, you know, if you ever had a question for a doctor, what would it be? I don't have answers to them, but I just think conversations are important like we're doing here. Uh, if you talk about things, you'll get them out in the open and you could change a life. But if you don't ever talk about it, uh, then no one will ever you know, think about it or consider new things. The one frustrating thing about awareness is getting individuals involved that you know don't have it or don't have family involved. And the other thing is meeting people who, uh, not really people who are diagnosed because I understand people are private. I have complete respect for that. But some big organizations, I'm surprised that it's not as easy to get them because I think everybody has a journey and I'd love to share everyone's. Luckily, I wouldn't, they don't, some don't want to say, I don't have the time to do everyone. But if I could, I would love to do millions of them. 
but there are individuals and organizations that are still like, and I don't know if it's just because it's just me and I'm smaller, but it's difficult to get to, uh, you know, help share. And my only goal again with them is that there's like one, for example, it's a network, I won't say a name, but I started going to their events and they're just webinars, but it's so great. I didn't know about it back then. I wanted to share their information. They didn't want to. And that's the, it hurts my heart because I'm like, here I am, you have someone just want to share it around the world and get more people. And, uh, you know, that's the problem with awareness that I still am confused about. So, you know, you can't win every battle, but you keep fighting. And like I said, uh, the one, the ones that hurt most are the ones that I don't know about or that I'm not aware of. Because those are the people who I love to share their journeys. If you go to the website, twotogetherfishround.com, and you can click the, uh, you put your email and anyone can just share their story. And the other thing that's tough is explaining, unfortunately, these days that you don't want anything in return. It's uh, sad and it's something to say in our society that people can't just, you know, do things and expect nothing in return. But there are, again, people like us who are exactly doing that. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I agree with you. Collaboration is what's so powerful. And when we have opportunities where big or small organizations can elevate a voice or a mission, it confuses me why they wouldn't take that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I've been lucky enough to work with a few that are incredible. And even the Michael J. Fox Foundation added us on their website under their resources, which is really mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. I, I would actually try I've tried a few things and not to take too much time, but I had my own little letter writing campaign to about 15 politicians just to see if I could get on a committee or something with the government to fight for Parkinson's. But I didn't even I got one you know form response. So it's kind of frustrating. The funny story, one, I, you go on the website like to find your congressman or woman. And I contacted them. They said, no, it's someone else. And then they wrote back and said, no, it's that person. So I mean, they would, I would like to know if I have to still pay taxes if no one, no one knows. <laughs> I'm just, and then the other, uh, uh, that was one area. And then so that's the political world. And then, you know, there's other areas and other worlds too that, you know, you try like the entertainers. There's a lot of famous people that unfortunately have Parkinson's and Unfortunately, it's also growing in the in the you know, and I can get it. I'm not uh, you know someone who's uh, I'm optimistic, but I can get it. So I wrote I wrote a lot of letters to families as I wanted to speak to their families, like Ozzy Osbourne and Alan Alda, who mm -hmm. my mother asked, like when she was growing up. Um, but you know, it's very hard to get responses. So I would like to reach to more of those individuals, not for myself, just to get you know more of what we do and advocacy out there. But, uh, you know, that's the tough stuff. And then there's some big time people in my, like even Willie Geis, his father, unfortunately, has it. Michael J. Fox, you know, he just released a movie and read a lot of his books. These are some people that I wish I could get him in it with. But, you know, it's not easy for just one person, even though I, I think have. You are making huge ripples. I mean, huge ripples. The I When I was on your website and I saw all of the interviews that you have done and the messaging and the partnerships, it is so powerful. I think that the impact that you are having is substantial in the Parkinson's community. I appreciate it. And like I said, every time I, the days like, you know, work and this and I'm so tired, but uh, I read the stories that I've done already and then see somebody else out there. And I'm like, 
wow, this is going to, it's inspirational. I'm not going to stop. And then I keep going. And sometimes, unfortunately, to the detriment of my own health, <laughs> I'm writing about that. <laughs> you, you know, need to take care of yourself. <laughs> you know, caregivers, whether you are in the past, becoming or uh, present, you know, you have to, like you said, you have to worry too about your health. But it's hard when you have to worry about the, your loved one. So it's such an interesting, intricate world. And uh, there's no education or really experience that can uh, train you for something like that. It is this very strong, almost a secret bond that people have who have experienced that or have gone through it. Because people who have not been on that journey yet, it's hard for them to wrap their heads around how all-encompassing it is. Um, even if you're not physically having that person in your home, which was your dream to have, even if the person is in a care community or their own place, like it it is, it can be pretty heavy. And I always find like us talking that I do become closer to people who have experienced it. I always say like I lost my mother, but I did gain so many incredible people in my life. I mean, some of them are diagnosed. Some of them, I made a really close friend. We have a little podcast. We're not this big like you. <laughs> We're just trying to start. It's called The Conversation, and we just talk and wing it. But we've had two or three. One, I actually interviewed my wife about caretaking, about, you know, my mother, her experiences. But um, some of the people that have become, you know, almost family, I text a lot. And, you know, I would never have met them in my life if it wasn't for this, uh, all of this. So, you know, unfortunately, it was horrible and negative, but you do have to try to find some light, you know, in the darkness. So what would you say to someone that's listening to this right now and they're caring for their loved one who has Parkinson's and what would you share with them to help ignite some light? It's hard because everyone does experience, you know, their own journey and differently. And Parkinson's is so complicated because everyone's so different. There's DVS surgery, but that wouldn't work for my mother, but it might work for someone else. The biggest thing I can say is that like you mentioned, you're never alone. There are individuals and resources and organizations you can reach out to. And all I did was go through my experiences and try to bring it all together on togetherforsharon.com. There's a list of websites and resources. I don't offer that. Maybe one day we'll do. My dream, too, is to one day maybe start it as a foundation, but I'd like to give scholarships to education to future neurologists and things. But with three kids and, and I'm a cop lawyer and professor and uh, <laughs> advocating it's hard to start a whole foundation but uh, maybe in the future but I just wanted to know that not alone they can even email me I respond like in a minute that's just how I am no matter what and mm -hmm. uh, you know they're not alone I felt I was alone because I wasn't aware but now my goal is to make sure people are aware and uh, you know even if they don't need help that minute they can always reach out when they are ready I never feel alone or be alone because I find speaking and talking helps a lot. Doing this with you today helps me a lot. I get like, I don't, you know, how when you meet your loved one, like when I met my wife, I've got butterflies, you know, when you knock on the door. Mm -hmm. and I get that with these, like speaking to you and people I meet because it's in a way, it's a tough reason we're there. But I get excited to share this too. Uh, with the world because there's someone you know again we mentioned out there sitting right now just about to go through this and feel alone and even if they heard this for 10 minutes 
uh, you know, put it down, come back. They know that you know, there's been people who've been through it. We came out on the other side. Uh, I'm stronger today. I can look back and say I never, I don't think I could have done anything different. Uh, the only thing I wish is, you know, there was a cure, but hopefully it's coming very soon. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and all of the work that you're doing to progress things in this area with Parkinson's. And I'm grateful that you were willing to share your story with us because I, I do know how emotional it is. And um, it just feels very special that you were willing to come on and be part of it with us. I really appreciate you and all you do and your listeners and viewers. And like I said, I hope we all become family now forever because uh, like I say, we're really in this journey together. I might have a little deviation or separate uh, area we went, but now going forward, you know, we have to be together. We have to be together with our local politicians, with our local, uh, you know, communities, because uh, even the news and the media, we need them all involved in this fight. Uh, I still feel it might be biased, but as you saw, unfortunately, the only good news is my mother missed COVID, but the bad news is COVID was around. But you see how quickly we were, the nation came together and we were able to fight it. I wish we could somehow do that, uh, you know, with Parkinson's disease and a lot of diseases. I don't want, obviously, it to go worldwide to have everyone have to have it. But I do feel that if we could get more notoriety, more people in it, that uh, they would have already had a cure, which is another part that's tough. But like I said, again, I just really am honored to be able to share my story today, but also learn about you and your listeners. And I'm thinking of them all, too. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. What I know for sure is that things are going fine until they're not. Everyone wants to stay in their home for as long as possible. And then there's a fall or a hospital stay or clear signs of dementia or a diagnosis and remaining at home becomes questionable or potentially impossible. It is super important that you are informed about what assisted living and nursing home care can offer and understand how to choose the one that will best fit the needs of your family. I know from personal and professional experience what objections are going to come up and how to navigate those conversations. You love your family member and you are doing a great job. It just feels like the situation is fragile. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop and you don't know what you don't know. Illuminating Senior Living answers all of your questions and walks you through step by step each common objection and frequently asked question. This course will save you so much time and heartache. Imagine knowing exactly when it's time to move and ensuring the care and safety of your family member. Imagine knowing what specifically to be looking for in a care community and how to have the conversations about moving. Illuminating Senior Living gives you the roadmap so you're prepared. Click the link in the show notes, Illuminating Senior Living, to secure your video course today. Mm -hmm.